calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. <laughs> Episode 2 of Wrestling History 101. Class is in session. I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, what's going on? We are still in 1985. Yes, back when I wasn't even a thought. Now, let me ask you a question. Yes. Now, we are in November of 85. The big movie of the year, the big movie of the summer, is Back to the Future. Have you gone to the theaters to see that yet? Well, I mean, we've time we've time traveled back to eighty five. I I have I have seen the first two. I what, um. What there's gonna be a sequel? When did that happen? I just uh, saw the first one. Oh, trust me, it's coming. Uh, okay. And it's 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 very good out outside of a outside of a creepy uh concept when you realize that. When uh, when he, when he goes back in time, his mother starts sporting with him. Oh, yeah, that's a little bit weird. What's going on right there? <laughs> but uh, if you can get past that, it's really it's a pretty good movie. So how's your weekend been? Um, quite good. Um, very very busy, but quite good. That might have been all right. I had like a party to go to on Saturday, on Sunday, and what I love about these like parties, like they have it's like a dinner dance thing, social function that uh, the club has. Um, what I like is usually when I was growing up, my parents used to go out to parties like at, in the evening, like five thirty, and then they get home like eleven, twelve a.m. Now. Yeah. All these parties they start at twelve PM. We're out of there by six PM. We have the rest of the night I have the rest of the night to myself. I love it. Like I don't have to like uh get as soon as I get home I crash because I'm like all tired out. No, I can they like, do whatever I want when I get home. Very good. So um while we are in nineteen eighty five, I do have something that I brought back with me from the future. Oh, well, and what is that? Now, Saturday was October 21st, correct? Yes. Well, on October, on uh, Sunday, October 21st, 1990, I went to a special matinee edition of WWF at the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens, and I have all, I have the lineup here with the results. Very good. So, in the opening match, we had Davy Boy Smith defeating Haku. Oh, that's blasphemous. I'm sorry. Shane Douglas pinned the Brooklyn Brawler. Okay. Jimmy Snuka pinned the Black Demon, which which is Gangrel under a mask. 
Oh, okay. The warlord, yeah. the warlord pin Coco Beware. Oh, uh, well, he's not going to have a good time in a couple of years. For the WWF Tag Team Championships, Red Hart and Jim Neidhart, the Hart Foundation, defeated Rhythm and Blues, Greg Valentine, and the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> That's funny. Rhythm and Blues. <laughs> uh, Mr. Perfect and uh, the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Eric fought to a double countout in an Intercontinental Championship match. Oh, very cool. And in the main event, WWF World Heavyweight Champion, The Ultimate Warrior, and the Legion of Doom defeated Demolition in an elimination match. Oh, now that seems like it would be fun to see. So yeah. that... Well, that, that was a much better card than um, what we're getting ready to uh, to cover. But don't let that, don't let that, um, you know, demote your interest, so to speak. So that um, was uh, the mat Sunday matinee show, WF show at Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. I was 16 years old, and that was my second event, with the first being on September 16th. And the main event in that one was Big Boss Man versus Earthquake. I, I was, you know, maybe, I mean, I remember Earthquake, but not, um, not too much. Mm. But Big, but Big Boss Man was uh, one of my early favorites. This was early Earthquake. Uh, he had just, um, he he was still new to the WWF because he debuted in a segment with Dino Bravo. Where Dino Bravo would challenge the Ultimate Warrior to like a series of like tests of strength to see like who's more powerful, and like one of these strengths was like push-ups. So Dino Bravo did push-ups, right? But he wanted a volunteer from the audience to come down right. to, dem to demonstrate just how powerful he is. So he calls this guy out from the audience. And they tell him to come down to the ring and they ask him his name, he said John, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's like, okay, how much do you weigh and all that? So he sat on Dino Bravo's back and Dino Bravo did push ups. Then it was the Ultimate Warrior's turn. But when <laughs> when uh, he stood over Warrior's back, as soon as Warrior, uh, Warrior was down on the mat, as soon as he, uh, as soon as he pushed up, like, uh, for Earthquake sit on his back, Earthquake just, yeah. like, splatted him, squashed him back to the mat. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And so, and so from there, uh, they, uh, changed, they, uh, gave him his name, Earthquake. Oh, very good. All right, so. You're just you... full of interesting tidbits, are you? You got <laughs> You got the fancy jacket on for today's, <laughs> for today's show. You're full of the fancy tidbits. It's going to be a good show today. So, um, what do you say we get into today's show? And we are going back to November 7th, 1985 for the Wrestling Classic. Absolutely, man. Let's get into that.
right, let's start with match number one. Ben, what do you have for us for match number one? Well, well first of all, let, let's set the stage here before we get into oh, the sorry, matches. Go so, um, now, maybe you can ex explain some of this to me because I was a little, I was a little bit confused. So, so first of all, the the show um, aired from the Rosemont Horizon, obviously in Rosemont, Illinois, yep. um, in front of a crowd um, totaling fourteen thousand people. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where I got a little bit confused. Um, because they were putting over um, the arena as if it was a huge, huge deal to be there, and um, maybe I'm I'm just too young. Maybe I'm missing something. Uh, do you have any idea what what made the Rosemont Horizon so special? Well, Rosemont Horizon, or as it would. Uh be renamed later the All-State Arena. It was a home to uh, the early WF Survivor Series pay-per-views. Oh, okay. I didn't because, know that. Uh, I believe, um, I'm not, uh, I'm, let me double check that, but I know that Survivor Series 89 takes place from the Rosemont Horizon in Illinois. So uh, let me check on uh, 87 where that took place. Oh, very good. But uh, 1987. So. Okay, actually, um, the 87 one took place from from Richfield Coliseum in Ohio. 88 took place from Richfield, hold on. Where did 89 take place? Because I, I want to, I thought it was Rosemont. Yeah. For, for 80, 80, Survivor Series 89 took place from the Rosemont Horizon. Okay, very good. Okay, so. Like, I mean, they had like a lot of like, uh, pay-per-views taking place. Well, they had like a lot of events. So like, I guess it was like a historical uh, place for them for like live events. Okay. Outside, yeah, of I, these, uh, outside of like the pay-per-views. Yeah, I um I didn't really know that. So that that um yeah. that helps me understand why they were making such a big deal out of it. So uh so a couple so just a couple more things. So Vince um so Vince starts out go, going solo, but then he starts introducing the the um you know the team for the you know commentary and the interviewers and and what such, mm -hmm. and so and so we get Lord Alfred Hayes. Yes, we have my word, my word. Who else was there besides well, myself? Well, and then we have Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon. Commercial consideration paid for by the body and the gorilla. Exactly, <laughs> but but but. Then, then I was like, "What the hell?" I, I didn't, I didn't catch her last name, but they had this Susan somebody. Susan, uh, Susan, St. James. 
Maybe. Let me let me double check that. Go go um, go on go on. I'll, I'll double check that for you. But anyway, the the point the point being is, um, Lord Alfred Hayes was was flirting with her all night. Her role was pretty much the 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 Vanna White of the um, tournament board to go over the matches and who advanced and what the what the well, next. I, I know who you're talking about. Yes, yes, I know who you're talking about. I just can't think of her last name at the moment, but yeah, I get who you're talking about. But it, um, so so there, there was nothing wrong with what she did, other than other than she flubbed her lines a couple times, and it it was kind of awkward when um when Vince was asking her if she'd ever ridden in a uh, in a Rolls Royce before, she got kind of confused. Oh, um, no. yeah. But she didn't do too bad. But it was largely it was just awkward because Lord Alfred Hayes was was flirting with her whenever his segments would come up, and Vince would have to be like, you know, if I could, if I could get your attention for a second, Lord Alfred. <laughs> you know, if you don't know anything about wrestling, why do you want to be on the show and make yourself look look ridiculous like that? Make yourself look bad. By saying, well, I don't know I, about this or I don't know about that. <laughs> Go in there knowing something. <laughs> well, well, on, and honestly, and, and no disrespect, but they they clearly they clearly hired this lady to be eye candy yeah. or whatever. No, I'm, but, I'm saying like I get why they hired her, but at least like at least know something if they ask you a question. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but I'm well, sorry, you said re-rub Jesse Ventura. I gotta read this one comment that I found because, okay. I wanna hear what you have to say about this, okay? Okay. I love, this is about Jesse Ventura, okay? Yeah. I love Jesse. When I was a kid, as a commentator, he was just as big a star as the wrestlers. Well, I can understand that because he was he was a he was a real really big deal. Yeah. You know, people nowadays know him for being the kooky commentator, or you know, if you're a little bit older, you may remember that he was the governor of his home state of Minnesota. Yeah. Um, but you know, back in the if you're a wrestling historian like us, you remember him from from WWF mm-hmm. first. Um, and, um, so that, that comment does make sense. You know, it's like, technically speaking, um, if you want to say, technically speaking, this is a second pay-per-view, however, however, in July of 85, we can actually, uh, touch on this, uh, towards the end of the show. We'll add this in as like a little bonus thing after this show. Absolutely. July 8th. They had King of the Ring, nineteen eighty five. Okay, yeah, we should definitely touch on that for sure. All right, so uh, let's go. What, what what do you have next after the the intros and all the? So the, so they explain that that the first round matches get a max of, of ten minutes, and then if if 
Um, if nobody wins within that time, then both combatants are eliminated from mm-hmm. this single elimination tournament. So with that explanation, we get into the first match, consisting of Adrian Adonis, accompanied by Jimmy Hart, uh, with Corporal Kirshner. Yep. Um, he, and- was the, he was, the, he was uh, the next... Uh- big name around this um, time period. Uh, he was feeding with Slaughter as well at this time. Yes. And um, the, the one takeaway that I had from this match, and you'll excuse me for only having one takeaway because it, it was only three minutes and 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, quite reminiscent of some of the matches on today's current NXT. <laughs> Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's a completely separate thing. But, um, but so because of the shortness of the match, the only, um, move that I really noticed, um, was, was the, was the finish by Adrian Adonis. And it was the weirdest looking DDT I've ever seen. Now, Now, as wrestling fans, we know exactly what a DDT looks like. Yep. But to be honest with you folks, this looked like a almost like a front face lock takedown, uh more more reminiscent of like a like a bulldog. Mm-hmm. Um now obviously bulldogs are done from the back and and you drive the opponent down. Well, if there was ever a front a front facing bulldog, this was it because the way this dude landed, he was it wasn't his body didn't go straight up. Like, you know how people land on DDTs nowadays, their their body just kind of goes straight up, right? Yep. But no, no um Corporal Kirshner's body stayed completely parallel, almost like, almost like an execution. It's like, are you looking at me right now? Uh, no. Um. Okay, look at me right now. Let me. Yeah. So kind of like Adrian Donis was like that, and Corporal Kirshner was like that. It was like flat, like the executioner, like what Edge does. Yes. Ex- exactly. So That's it was terrible. Just- it was just the weirdest, most uh, botched version of a DDT I've ever seen. Please don't do uh, that. Yeah, please stop. I thought somebody <laughs> was going to get hurt. And then for some reason, um, the next match, which which I was actually really looking forward to when I saw who it was, Dynamite Kid versus Nikolai Volkov. Mm-hmm. Um, well, apparently I needn't have been excited because... As Nikolai was finishing his um, Russian national anthem before the match started, I didn't even hear the bell ring. I got to be honest with you, Elio. I didn't yeah. even hear the bell ring. Okay, but as as um, Volkov is finishing up, you know, you, you see Dynamite Kid getting on the top rope, and I'm like, what the fuck? The 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 match hasn't even started yet, so I'm like, is he waiting for him or something? And then, and then Volkov barely even turns around. He hits him with a drop kick, and apparently 
the the match is over in eight seconds. I'm like, I was like what's going on? Because I remember that. The hell? <laughs> I was like, what? What? So I I was I didn't I was, know I didn't know when Dropkick was a finisher. Well, you have to keep <laughs> yeah. You have to keep in mind, folks, this is the 80s. And I, 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 no, no, but, like, I mean, like, I knew Bonnie Sons were a finisher, like, sleeper holder, like, you know, we drop, I never yeah. knew that Dropkick could be a finisher at this time. No, I, I I was very taken aback. But maybe I shouldn't have been considering um, considering Volkov's gimmick. I, I don't know. And but. I think, I believe we still have a few more minutes to get some more matches in before we go to commercial. Yes, there, there, there's a lot of matches tonight. I, I'm, I must warn you ahead, ahead of time, folks. Um, if you break down the number of matches, regardless of, of their short um, lifespan, mm-hmm. This is this is reminiscent of an AEW card today, like an AEW pay per view card. Um, it it's 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 quite um it's quite overwhelming. So the next the next match we have is Ivan Putsky versus Randy Savage, and of course he's accompanied to the ring by Miss Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Now, Miss Elizabeth was slightly before my time, but I must admit, my God, she was gorgeous. Right. Good. Well, Lord. She, was, she they called the uh, they called her the first lady of wrestling. Well, and and for good reason, based on the, how good of a job she did, um, valeting for um Randy Savage. I'm not saying that because of her beauty. Yeah. Um, but she honestly did a fantastic job. Um, but um, but I couldn't help but notice just how absolutely gorgeous she looked. Sorry. Um, but um, but once again, since the match itself is only two minutes and forty six seconds, I could only notice a couple of things. To be honest with you, um. And I noticed two things. One, Ventura kept calling Ivan Putsky, Ivan Paduski. Ivan Paduski, yeah. You know what? That was because uh, Jesse was a heel at this time, so he just like kept like messing with these guys' uh, last names. Like how he would call Tio Santana, Chico Santana. Yeah. Like, uh, like that, that was like the heel, the heel thing at the time. Okay, so messing, he was messing with their names. So he was like Jerry Lawler before Jerry Lawler got yeah, on yeah, commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was like a thing. His thing at the time. And then the um, and then the finish was uh, Randy Savage got his foot on the ropes for a roll up, and I gotta um, tell you, oh roll ups, and we we know how we, everyone knows how we feel about roll ups on this uh, podcast. I hate them. I hate them. I hate <laughs> yeah, them. Yep. Now, but especially given the talent involved in this match, mm-hmm. you have Randy Savage in this match, and you have him win with a cheap roll up. Uh, yep. That's All right. Terrible. Like, am I missing something? Um. Oh, we still have time. I think. Um. um yeah. You know, we got four minutes. Um, so we can get one or two uh yeah. more matches in. 
sure. Um, so, and this one really pissed me off even even further than the Randy Savage match. Davey Excuse Bo- me. Davy Boy Smith versus Ricky Steamboat. Now, Elio, is it just me, or could this match have main evented anywhere, anytime, any any show? This could have been a good match uh, for this time period. This could have been the main event on any show, even on the Saturday Night's main event, which uh, was the main event show at this time. So, so it it really appeared that um, Davy got hurt at the end of this and maybe they had to call an audible um either that or they did one hell of a job of acting i'm going to look that up while you're um because um so davy suplexes ricky and then he comes back with some drop kicks um after the suplex but then he he misses like he goes for a move and and misses, and he gets he gets um, hung up on the top rope by the short hairs. Yeah, so um, apparently uh, injured his groin. Is what I'm reading here. Well, it it, it well, and it definitely appeared so because um, the match was stopped like instantly, and and you could even see that Ricky was very concerned. Now, I understand that Ricky was the baby face of all baby faces, but Ricky immediately got out of the ring and was, like, helping the uh, medical personnel uh, with um, with Davy Boy. So it was just, that was a, that was a scary moment. Yeah. And, and um, with that, I think that's a that's a good place to stop because we're sub two minutes. Um, so we'll be right back with more coverage of the wrestling classic. Stay- All right, we are back and we are going to continue our look back at the wrestling classic. Ben, what match do we have next? So the next one is we're still in the first round. It's the Iron Sheik versus Junkyard Dog. <laughs> yes. And, and this, this was blasphemous to have this result. I, I was just, well, I think the word I'll go with is stupefied. Okay. Um, because look, nothing against the junkyard dog you know there's there's a lot of you know ridiculous gimmicks in in wrestling and you know i i his you know dark side of the ring i i i do understand that he was he was a draw and you know he was very popular and apparently he was he was a very good guy on top of that right yeah um his gimmick no I don't get it. Yeah. Um, I don't understand this gimmick, actually. You like, know, and, and, and my, my, the, my, my brothers just like the, the, the ridiculous dance. They, they, we used to like, we all three of us used to like, yeah, yeah. Imitate well, dance. But like, that's about it that we knew about this gimmick. We didn't even know like what it was supposed to be. Well, there's that. And here's the thing, right? So 
the, the match starts out quick. Well, it better because it lasted for less than three and a half minutes. But the Iron Sheik, of all people, lost, lost a hands battle, throwing, throwing fisticuffs with the junkyard dog. And it's, it, that's not really the problem. The junkyard dog was a big, intimidating-looking motherfucker. But un- until he got on his knees and started barking and then with the headbutt. But, um, but um, what really pissed me off was Sheik was begging for mercy off of off of the punches. In the in the opening moments of the match, Sheik was begging him off. All right. Like... And then after he begs him off, Dog misses the headbutt and ends up in the camel clutch. So right there, it should have it should have been over. <laughs> it, it's just that should have been the end. The damn Sheik should have won that with the with Chunky Dog trapped in the camel clutch. But he he didn't. To your point, no, no he, I'm saying this didn't. is why this is the ridiculousness. He gets up from the from the um uh camel clutch after somehow getting out, which by the way, he didn't get out of it. Uh, the Iron Sheik let him go. Mm-hmm. I watched. He let him go. Okay. Uh, and then. He gets up and headbutts him in the back to score the to score the victory. A headbutt that's even worse than a drop kick. A headbutt to win the match. And not even a traditional headbutt, folks, because because if you've ever been headbutted for real, that shit can disorient you very quickly. Yep. But um but a headbutt to the back. To the back, Elio. <laughs> this is what is going on? Stop it! This that. is absurd. Almost as absurd as AEW's commentary. But that's neither here nor there or anywhere else. So, so <laughs> just to um, just to um, you know, just to get you past how ridiculous that is. That's you know, what the fuck. Speaking of ridiculous, and th- I almost turned it off after the after this next match. Oh, oh, I think I know where you're going with this. Where, uh, okay, Terry ter- ter- uh, Funk was still telling them Moondog spot. They were trying yeah. to try to talk to him. Go on, go ahead. Because because you know I almost texted you and I'm like I'm sorry I can't review this on principle. Terry ter- <laughs> Funk lost to Moondog. To Moon Dog Spot, not Moon Dude. <laughs> um, oh and twenty four seconds, folks. I'm I'm sorry. Wait, how about how, how long was it? Twenty four. Jesus. Good God. Wow. Okay, so b- before the match, because more happened before the match, and in the twenty four second contest. Right. Um. 
Terry Funk comes out and says he doesn't want to wrestle Moondog, and Moondog doesn't want to wrestle him either. But why? Right, right, right. That's then, what I'm talking about. Come on. Then, then why the fuck are they having the match? So Funk says they should both walk out and take the draw, which basically means that they would be eliminated from the tournament, which is the wrestling classic. By the way, I don't know what the, I don't know what the winner of the wrestling classic gets. You know what? I don't even know. I, 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 that's what I was trying to tell you last night. I'm like, this was just a meaningless tournament, um, probably designed to fill out the card because the main focus of the year, the year 1985, was a few between Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. And even I knew that, and I wasn't even alive in 1985. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. So obviously. Um, you know, this was, this was all a ruse because Funk attacked Moondog Spot in the aisle. By the way, um, uh, Moondog Spot was in the same group that Nick Wayne's grandfather, Moondog Moretti, was in at a different time. Yep. Just little, little, I looked that up and, you know, I, you know, just, a, just, Elio's not the only one that can do trivia around here, motherfucker. Right? <laughs> Listen to Ben. He knows his shit. He does his homework. Unlike the fans over at Wrestling POV who don't know who people like Anthony <laughs> Noki are. Get dumb folks. Do your research. Which, but which, by the way, folks, when these people didn't know who Antonio Inoki was, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to quit the show just for the evening. Not not in general, but I really wanted to yeah, throw down my yeah, but, but then you wouldn't have uh, heard me lose my shit on them. <laughs> Which, in and of itself, when Elio loses his shit, you know, I, I there's a special kind of happiness that takes place for me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> But this this was just ridiculous. So Terry, so getting back to the match, we're we're getting kind of off kilter here, and that's my fault. Um, but getting back to the match, so this was all a ruse because Terry Funk wanted to attack Spot. But here here's the thing: it backfires on Terry Funk, and the legendary Terry Funk is made to look like an absolute imbecile. You know, because he loses via count out. Yeah, I, I, I hate matches that end up with uh, someone losing my count out. Uh, but, but, but just the way in which he lost it, like yep. he baited him to the outside, and then he, and then Terry Funk loses via count out after baiting his own opponent to the outside. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Okay, so that rant is done. Obviously, if, if this was a if this was a typical show review, this would be the low point of all low points of the evening. You, you know what confused? Okay, the one thing that confused me, I didn't know if Moondogs were heels or faces. I like I'm not, I never knew that. Well, 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 and to be honest with you, I can't figure that out either because before the before the match. Right, so so before each match, there there's segments with um with 
with Mean Gene um, interviewing the co- the combatants, and, and Moon Dog's thought was barking throughout the interview, and I'm like, "Those are the Moon Dogs." The fuck is going on? Here? Uh, that, was, that, that, was, that was that was their character back then. That's why I can never figure out are they heels or faces or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, well, don't worry because you're not alone. I couldn't figure it out either. Um, I would I would assume face based on the fact that he was facing Terry Funk. I, but that's the best guess I have. Okay. Um, but um. So the next match, and believe it or not, folks, we're still in the first round here. Uh, was Don Morocco the original Rock? Because have you seen this motherfucker? Right. <laughs> Good God, he should, should be King Morocco. He's built like a fucking boulder. Oh my God! <laughs> and it should be it should be King Morocco, and I'll explain that uh, later on in the show. Go ahead. Um. Well, I know where you're going with that because no, I no, understand. No, no, I was just uh, talking to fans. Because I understand history, unlike these motherfuckers. Yeah. Go ahead. Which, by the way, to the illustrious fans of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast, we're not calling you motherfuckers. We're calling you some other people that we deal with. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's just. Uh, Anywho, um, so Don Morocco versus Tito Santana. Mm-hmm. And this was actually somewhat long for the evening because it went to four minutes and 13 seconds. And to be honest with you, I was having fun with this match. I'm like, finally, we're going to get a good match. But then we get bullshit. Oh, no. Because what happens? So, so, um, Morocco hits a power slam for the three count and the bell rings. Then all of a sudden, Tito pulls Morocco into a small package for another three count. And Tito wins. And, and the ref raises his hand. So hold on, we had two three counts in less than a second. Is that what you're telling me? Pretty much. That's bullshit. Don Morocco should have won that then. Yeah, it, it's like, okay. And, and then on top of me trying to figure out this bullshit finish, because I'm used to bullshit finishes in wrestling. That in and of itself doesn't necessarily bother me, except when they're used all the time. But in in a situation like this, I was very confused because this is supposed to be a tournament of some of some prestige because Gorilla Monsoon was calling it the most important tournament in all of wrestling to start the show, which obviously wasn't true because nothing was on the line and this was all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um. It sounds like I'm ranting, but I'm actually telling you the truth. Um, <clears throat> so, the fuck is going on with that with that finish? I'm I'm still confused. 
with with that finish, and I watched it two days ago. N- next next matchup we have Bob Orton versus Paul Orndorff, and believe it or not, I think that this was the longest match of the of the first round, with going six minutes and twenty nine seconds. Yep. Um. Good God. So. So okay, little bit of history, folks, because. Remember, we just talked about WrestleMania 1. So, remember, these two were on the same side against Hogan and Mr. T at WrestleMania. Yep. So, that, that's, a little, that's a little bit of history. So, that should tell you right off the bat that this match should have a little bit more story going into it. And I give... I give them credit here because they really did make a big deal out of Bob Wharton's cast on his arm and that was his entire gimmick for the majority of his career since he started working with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. Legend has it he's still in a cast and his arm is still broken. You know what I'd like to know how that cast came out. I have to research that because I'd like to know how they came up with that idea for, with the, for the cast. So it, it's funny because commentary is is trying to determine the legitimacy of the injury. <laughs> like, you know, how long has he had that cast on? So on and so. Um. So, but they're really focusing on Orton's injured arm because that's what or that's what Orton Orndorff is going after, like an intelligent wrestler. Mm-hmm. So then Orton gets a gets a head scissor and it's actually very easy to go move by move in these matches because there's only two or three of them before the match. Okay, Ben, I have some information for you. Yeah. So he was often addressed as Ace Orton by Roddy Piper and was Piper's bodyguard. His other gimmick, when a cast during his matches, stemmed from legitimately having his left forearm broken in a match with Jimmy Snuka at the 1985 the war to settle the score in Madison Square Garden, which we covered on the main show. Yes. So he legitimately broke his form in that match against Snuka. And it still hasn't healed all these years later. <laughs> and then so, okay, so we have the origin of where the cast came from then. So he he's so defined... He's defying medical science, folks. <laughs> that was so bothering me. was eating away at me. I have to know. Go ahead. Yes. So, so he, he he's really working um, Orndorff over now with with the cow, with with the cast because he he has escaped Orndorff's early attacks um, to take a breather outside. Um, after Orndorff rallied again. So back inside, to finish the match, Orton levels him with the with the cast. He goes for the pin, and the bell rings. So, okay, so logically, because you know on, on the main show, I talk about logic and consistency. Mm-hmm. If, if he could have just belted him with, with the... Um, with, with the cast in the head 
to begin with. Why didn't he just do that to start the match and, and finish it very quickly and on we go? I, I don't know. But I did I, at least I enjoyed the story of Orndorff, uh, you know, working working the arm, you know, really beating on Orton. And then, you know, Orton gets his own offense in, and then the late rally for Orndorff leading to the win. That, and then, that's, and then you're going to enjoy the storytelling the following year, 1986. So I will get into that uh, later as well. Very good. So, and then after this match, the, remember how I said Lord Alfred Hayes was busy hitting on Susan? Yes, my word. She still won't uh, return my advances. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Where are we going with this stuff? Oh, this, this, this was the first time that Vince had to pull him off of her. <laughs> Um. So and then and then Terry Funk um interrupts the interview to complain about being robbed in his first round match. So then the first round match finally ends after the Orndorff Orton match. Yep. And Adrian Adonis has advanced to face Dynamite Kid. Poor and, Adrian, man, he's not having any luck at all in this tournament. And and by the way. Now that we're on to the second match, the time limit has now expanded to 15 minutes, which which you will find interesting as we go down the list of these times. Because guess what, folks? They didn't they needn't have expanded the time limit based on all the matches that took place in the yeah, second round. I know, right? So I'm looking at them right now. As you see, and and you know, we we don't even discuss this at a time, and Elio and I are on the same page. God, we're good at this shit. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not that conceited. Um, but um, so Adrian Adonis versus Dynamite Kid opened the second round. This was probably the most solid match of the night outside of um, outside of Hogan and Piper. This is probably the only other contest that could be considered a match, right? Because it it was, they actually had somewhat time to have a, have a match. They had five minutes. It didn't have commercials in it because it was a pay-per-view. So they, they got to do, they got to do some stuff. Um, so they're they're talking about Dynamite Kids straight um speed advantage versus Adrian Adonis is strength advantage. No shit. Have you seen Adrian Adonis? <laughs> My God. I still think Adonis is the Hall of Fame though. I would I would agree. I I don't know enough about his career to to either um support or I'll give you a quick summary, okay? So in the AEW, he was teamed up. He was paired up with Jesse Ventura. Then he he got to the WWF in 1984. He was paired up with Dick Murdoch and they were tag team champions. He used to wear a black leather jacket and one of and one of those hats at Rich Holland wears. He used to wear one of those hats to the ring. 
and he was like a legit tough guy. If you've seen Dark Side of the Ring, uh, he grew up in Boston, so like he used to run around with gangs and stuff. Yes, I, I do remember and, his friend talking about that. And he also legitimately injured Danny Spivey in one of their matches that uh, the following night, they they had the same match again, but Spivey flipped the script on him in, because he wasn't going to let the same thing happen twice. Yeah. The thing well, about I mean, the thing about him was that during his matches, he was always, like, high. Like, because he still, like... He used to do a lot of cocaine in the before the matches. Yeah, like I said, folks, the eighties were a different time. Yeah, so uh, you could never tell with him, like whether he was like, because he could be like he could wrestle in one minute, then the next, like wrestle like the way uh, everything is choreographed and scripted, and the next minute. He could like be legitimately beating someone up in the match. That's not good. Yeah. No, no wonder uh, Spivey had something to say about that. But see, Vince uh, is so fucking blind; he couldn't see the talent in the, in front of him. So he decides we're gonna flip this around. We're gonna call the adorable Adrian Adonis. We a legitimate tough guy in the ring. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. Vince is a special kind of. Uh, but he wanted to, he wanted to cater to the, to the kids and the, all the cartoon characters. Adrian Thomas was in a cartoon character. Yeah, well, you know, and and, and your argument is well founded because uh, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Um, but like if. If you wanted to check out one match in the tournament, check out the corner, the quarterfinal match between Adonis and um, Dynamite Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and Dynamite Kid should be getting credit. Um, I mean, Dynamite Kid should get, get a lot more credit than he gets because. You know, he was doing a lot of the shit that we see today yep. in terms of the high-flying stuff and, the, and the, you know, just the sheer athleticism. Like the snap um, suplex. Exactly. Um, and you could, you could see just how incredibly smooth he was in the ring. And it was just, um, you know, he, even with my limited exposure to Dynamite Kid, you, it didn't take me long to figure out just how good that this guy really was. I, I have one match for the fans to go in and look for. Even you, Ben. Very I'd good. Make it, I'd make it versus Tiger Mask. Yeah. I've never mm-hmm. seen this myself, but I I heard about it, so I'm gonna go look that up as well. Yes, and well, I, I'm gonna do that probably tonight. After we get off the show here, I'm gonna have to take a break, but at some point I'll do that tonight. Um. Next up, we have Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat, and two, I have two, to t- two years before their memorable clash. And I have to tell you, because based off of what I've what I've seen there, uh, you know, I I would have expected something, you know, something similar or at least something decent. 
And of of course, I'm not saying it was bad. It was a bad match. But what what could you possibly do with three minutes and twenty two seconds? Yeah. I mean, I I don't I don't I don't even think Picasso could paint a classic in in three minutes and twenty two seconds. You know, you got to give the artist time to do their work. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on the sheer Based on the sheer talent, I mean, it wasn't. I'm not going to complain about it, but you know, I can't. At the same point, the guy that 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 the review that I'm using, the guy gave it a three star. How could you get? I mean, I understand it's Randy Savage and Steamboat, but how could you give a three minute and twenty two second match a three star rating? I don't. I just don't understand it. Let me take a look at what Wrestling Data gave it. While you continue, go ahead. Um, and, uh, and so the, the next match was Paul Orndorff versus Tito Santana. This actually got time, but it ended up in a, uh, wow. a double sorry. count out. So sorry, both sorry. of Sorry, Ben, I have the rating for Ren Savage and Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. Now, of course, they use uh, the six-star rating here. This one got 4.1 out of six. Oh, for a, th- for a three-minute 22-second <laughs> match, go fuck yourself. And I, I mean that with all sincerity. Go fuck yourself. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. We, we got to be realistic here, folks. I, I don't come on here with the intention of sounding like an asshole, but come on. I'm sorry, did you miss a match? Because you moved on to Paul Order of Tears and there was one before that. Oh, oh, how, how dare I miss the 22nd match between Junkyard Dog and Root Dog Spot? I, mean, I get it was 22nd, but I mean, it was part of the tournament. We gotta, because it makes sense for the finish, for the end of the tournament. So, okay. <laughs> This, this was just this is where you knew Vince was in charge of the fucking shit. This I mean if we could if we could have looked in a in a time machine based on this finish, we could have figured out what he would be doing 30 years plus later on. Yep. You know, because junkyard dog nails a big headbutt before the ref could even get into the ring. So there's no referee, and Junkyard Dog hits a, hits a big headbutt, and that's the only move, and Junkyard Dog counts his own pinfall, and somehow no, nobody comes out in the middle of a so-called prestigious tournament and says, I'm sorry, dog, you can't count your own fall. So ridiculous. I, I mean, you know, and, and we're supposed to take this seriously as – because because I'm I'm going off of what Gorilla Monsoon said, the most prestigious tournament in the history of wrestling. Bullshit. Ben, uh, how many times did he say that uh, during the show? Well, he didn't say ne- nearly as much, but but this. Oh, wait, wait, wait till we hear how many times he says it's a happening. <laughs> it's, a, it's a happening, Ben. Well. 
Well, tr trust me, if you were playing a drinking game with certain aspects of the show, you would have been drunk off your ass. Like, like if you took a drink every time a match went under five minutes, you would have had to go to the hospital. I'm not sure that they could have resuscitated you at that point in time. I'm just saying. But, um, so Paul Orndorff versus Tito Santana. Yep. This was a, this was a mat-based affair. Um, and uh, and um, Orndorff is going after the leg of Santana that's really starting to um, get to Tito. And uh, they continue to work on the mat until until they get to the outside where there is a more physical fight. Yep. Uh, they get they get lost in their confrontation and that leads to a double count out. That might not seem like much of a review and I'm I'm sorry, but honestly folks, it, it's hard for me to review these matches. It, it it really is. And and I watched every single one from beginning to end, but I'm just with this particular um, special, I'm really having a difficult time reviewing these matches because you really have to pay attention to the commentary to even try to get a story out of some of this. Yeah. So based off the commentary, um, based off the commentary, there's no Ventura and, and Gorilla are discussing the possibility of underhanded tactics because of the bounty that Bobby Heenan has placed on Orndorff's head. There's a $50,000 bounty on Paul Orndorff. So anybody that takes out, um, that takes out Tito is obviously going to get that money, but obviously with Tito Santana being the... Sorry, sorry. Anyone that takes out uh, Orndorff? You mean? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So you said anyone that takes out Tito. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Any, anybody that takes out Orndorff is eligible to get that money. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but obviously Tito didn't fall into that category because he's a goody two-shoes baby. <laughs> right. So he's not smart enough to take the $50,000. Uh, bounty, let alone try to win the match because they both get counted out in what's supposed to be a prestigious tournament, but they can't keep track of the rules for eight minutes because, yep. <laughs> you know, so the logic really starts to fall apart. Um, let, Let's see, where are we time-wise? We have oh, four, it, four minutes. Four minutes, okay. Well, I think I can get to to this. So the the main the main story of the evening was the championship match between Hulk Hogan and Rowdy Piper because, as oh as Elio explained uh, earlier on, the main focus of nineteen eighty five. The year in wrestling was the feud between Hogan and Piper. No, now I grew up uh, where the WWF Championship 
was always main event. However, with the results of this match, I don't have a problem in the placement because yeah. uh, we you, you never want to end a, a championship match in the main event with disqualification. Well, yes, and and there and there's that. Which, which Elio is very is very correct on that because I've actually spoken to um to a friend of mine who's a pr- promoter and and the, and I'm not I'm not going to pull it back but he he explained to me why they don't do that so um I'm not going to pull the curtain back any further than that but there is there is a reason why they don't and evenings on on dqs and, and so on and so forth um so like i said uh main focus of the night was pretty much this match despite the bullshit tournament uh i'm sorry did i say that out loud that was just my opinion sorry uh, <laughs> um so Hogan comes out in white trunks, which was very uh, disconcerting for me because obviously I'm used to um, red and yellow or black and white. Yeah, well, remember, this is uh, a 1985 Hogan. He doesn't have the red and yellow just yet. Yeah, but considering Hulkamania started running wild in 1984, I was still surprised. Um, But he was, uh, I think he was still... Uh, like emerging from his heel run. Well, he, was exactly. a, he, he was a heel like uh, around like 1980 or something like that for a while. I think so. Yeah. So, um, so Hogan starts out in control, but Piper quickly turns it around. Um, Piper gets caught in a bear hug. Um, but Piper poked him in the eye, would have made Ric Flair proud. Um, who, they end up on the outside. The ref takes the bump so so that um, Piper can grab the steel chair, but it ends up being the one of the weakest um, chair shots I've ever seen. And and if you remember, there was a WCW spot one time where um, Hogan delivered a chair shot, and I thought that was the weakest chair shot. Mm-hmm. But no, this was this was clearly the weakest chair shot I've ever seen. So then Orton um, gets involved because he's he's Piper's you know lackey, and um, that results in a fight over the chair um, for the DQ. And um, with that in mind, that was actually the most exciting match of the evening, and it wasn't even a tournament. But we'll be right back with more to finish out the wrestling classic. Okay, we're back, and we have the final two matches of the wrestling classic. Ben, we have reached the semifinals. Indeed we have. And they kicked off with Dynamite Kid versus Randy Savage. And this is where I get so incredibly pissed off. And people are like, relax, it's just wrestling. Be quiet. What? Okay, because I 
for the people that say, oh, you get upset, it's just wrestling, I want you to be quiet for me for one second. Let me explain this. Dynamite Kid, I'm not telling you to be quiet. I'm telling the, the people. Yeah. Because Dynamite Kid versus Randy Savage is a very, very intriguing match to me. I would love to see a full-length match. I mean, the two, the two of those guys together could create magic. But you're handcuffing them with this bullshit tournament, which, by the way, folks, once again, this is going to sound like a joke, but I'm being serious. This, this tournament meant nothing because nothing was on the line. Oh. Okay. Um, so... So why are so with that in mind I have to ask why was this match of this caliber limited to four minutes and fifty seconds? I I you know I don't understand this because we have we have kid doing some mat based wrestling, so Savage is getting pissed off. Um, you know, eventually we do we get into the sunset flip by Dynamite Kid. Uh Savage just sits on him to counter. Uh we get the classic double clothesline spot. See what I did there? Wrestling classic, classic double clothesline spot. <laughs> um, Chain reaction. Exactly. Uh, and then Dynamite Kid hit the top rope suplex. Um, but and the finish was cool. So despite the top rope suplex, Randy Savage uh, locks his legs up into a small package to, um, to secure the victory. So that was a cool finish. But it's like, why can't you give this match five, six more minutes and really make it something good? Especially if you're trying to have a prestigious tournament, and this is your semifinals. I, I legitimately don't understand. Um, so next up, we have the finals, which consist of Junkyard Dog um, and uh, Randy Savage. By the way, Junkyard, Junkyard Dog defeated Moondog Spot to get in the finals. Now, let me ask you a question. Was this and Randy Savage defeated Dynamite Kid? So there's a little bit of a unbalance there. Yeah, but let me ask you: Was this match confusing to you? What the finals? Yeah, oh, hell the, the oh, ending. Exactly. What the hell? What's the ending over there? Well, I I was gonna ask you the same question, and let and let, let's discuss the match. Um, before we get to 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 the so this was this was nine minutes and forty two seconds. Okay, this is the only match. And by the way, the, the I think the time limit for for the finals was like twenty minutes. I don't know. I know the semifinals was fifteen minutes, but no, that even came close. Um, I don't think the time limits uh, mattered in this tournament, even though they set them. Yeah. Anyway, because not a single match went over ten minutes, which was the time limit for the first round. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um. So, 
So immediately they they start discussing about how hurt Macho Man is, um, you know, and he's really he's really playing the in and out game, you know, like acting like he's gonna come in, backs out, acting like he's gonna come in, backs out. He doesn't want to engage with John Carradine. We get a lot of that to start. Um, we get a bear hug for more downtime. My God, there was so much time between spots. No, ma- no wonder this match was almost ten minutes. You see, you see, uh, there was a lot of Jesse Ventura on this commentary on this match. Yeah, yes, because I'm glad you brought that up. Because prior to this match, he goes backstage to have a discussion with Randy Savage. A strategic discussion because it, uh, I didn't. I, I'm being honest with you. Honestly, I didn't remember Drunk Our Dog and, and Jesse Ventura ever being partners, but apparently they were. No, Savage, you mean? Um. Oh, yes, that's exactly what I meant. I, I don't even remember them being partners. Uh, and, right, and right there, that should tell you something because. <laughs> we know a lot on this podcast, but whatever I lack, Elio makes up for with his, you know, uh, you know, trivia nuggets and just his overall encyclopedia of knowledge. So if if Elio and I don't know something, that tells you that that should tell you a lot right there. So, so, you know, before this match even starts, I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm in my head. I'm like, what's the connection between Randy Savage and Jesse the Body Ventura? I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so, so then, I, you know, I'm getting back into this match. So we get more attacked by Savage, but he misses his axe-handled jumping attack. Um, junkyard dog, we get more headbutts, uh, which Savage did a Shawn Michaels Hulk Hogan 2005 sell job on. It was just a little bit ridiculous. And then junkyard dog backdrops Savage over the top rope to, to win via countout. Why do you have a bullshit count-out ending? And I think this is where you were going. Why do you have a bullshit count-out ending to an important tournament, the most important tournament in wrestling history, according to Gorilla Monsoon? I keep coming back to that but because then, I'm being... But, a- but then the ending, because Jessamyn Drew climbs in the ring to protest the decision. Yes, I I I know. And it's and I'm just, like, I don't. That's why I was like, I don't get it. They he they, he jumps in the ring to protest the decision. What? Because because he wrestled an extra match because Junkyard Dog got a yeah, buy. Yeah, because he got a buy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. And and to be honest with you, folks, I'm not sure why Junkyard Dog got a buy through the semifinals. I'm 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 really. I think because of that double countout or something or. Uh, oh, that's I, right. That's right. Okay, that's right. Because I was confused too when I when I watched the like before the quarterfinals, I was like, wait, wow, why does he have a buy? And then I was watching and I, they had the double count out there. 
Yeah. Like, all right, fine. So I guess. O- overall, this this card was not good. So uh, I have some information here. So over the fifteen matches in this event. Now, how long was this event been? Two hours and twenty six minutes. All right, and through fifteen matches. There was a known match time of an hour and 17 minutes of wrestling, of in-ring action. Out of two hours and 26 minutes. An hour and 17 minutes of wrestling, in-ring action. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> this pay-per-view was completely meaningless. Like I said, if you wanted to continue the Hulk Hogan Roddy Piper feud, you didn't necessarily have to have a meaningless pay-per-view with a tournament that meant nothing. Exactly. So, so I'm not sure if this was an experiment because I know, I know, um, I know that WrestleMania one was an experiment that ended up working because we're staring down the barrel of WrestleMania forty. But <laughs> I, I, I wonder if they had intended the wrestling classic to turn into something. Because to my knowledge, they didn't do another one. No, and uh, I caught what Gurman Two said: the first annual wrestling classic. I'm like, okay, so they're gonna. This is an annual thing they're gonna do. Okay, and they never did another one. Well, because they real maybe they realized because the structure of it was so fucked up, so they went with King of the Ring instead. Yep. Which, which, by the way, according to what you told me earlier in the show, they did a King of the Ring earlier this year. So why earlier in 1985? So why yes. the fuck did we get this in the first place? Right, and I'm glad you brought that up because that this is all is that all we have for wrestling classic? Yes, sir. So I mentioned earlier, Don Morocco should be called King Morocco because on July 8th. 1985, the WBF held the very first King of the Ring. Now, this one took place on July 8th at the Fox at the Sullivan Stadium in Foxville, Massachusetts. And here is the tournament breakdown. So, in the first round, we had Don Morocco defeating the Junkyard Dog. I wish they had this. I wish the they could have they could have had this instead of the wrestling classic. They should have reversed the two because I would have loved to have seen this. Exactly. So Don Morocco defeated the Junkyard Dog in ten minutes fifty eight seconds. Les Thornton defeated Steve Lombardi in six forty three. Paul Orndorff and Bob and Cowboy Bob Orton went to a double disqualification. This match went 15 minutes. So Pedro Morales defeats Johnny V and gets a bye to the next round. Okay. Tito Santana defeated Terry Funk by disqualification in 1348. I'm just so partial to Terry Funk that I don't even like that. Oh, yeah. I think uh, there was one of you where he called the Shunker Dog a southbound jackass. I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, then we have Jim Jim Brunzel defeating the spoiler in 7.15. Who was the spoiler? So the spoiler was an enhancement talent. Uh, he was, his name is Don Jardin. 
Okay. And, uh, he he, he uh, debuted in 1955 and retired in 1994. Oh, so he was he was old. Yeah. At this point. So we had the next match had Ricky Steamboat defeating Greg the Hammer Valentine in 1959. And the final match of the first round, the Iron Sheik defeats B. Brian Blair in eight minutes six seconds. See, see, I'm with Elio on this one. Why couldn't we get this? <laughs> right. So that takes us to the quarterfinals. Don Morocco defeats Les Thornton in 6.22. Again, Pedro Morales gets a bye through to the semifinals. Tito Santana and Jim Brunzel fought to a time limit draw that went 20 minutes. However, okay, th- this is why I get confused. Okay. It says a time limit drop. However, Chum Brunzel won a coin toss to determine who would continue in the tournament. What? Why the fuck? What? You already have Pedro Morales in the semifinal. Why don't you just put someone, why don't you just have someone win and have them face Pedro Morales? No. You have you do a coin toss to determine wait, the, win, the winner which of a is, match. Which is the most the bullshit way of doing things. That's like <laughs> that, that's like having that's like having a coin toss to determine who gets the WrestleMania main event. That absolutely, meant, that absolutely makes no sense. If it's a time limit draw, no one wins. <laughs> what exactly? Oh, okay, I so, agree. Final match of the quarterfinals, Ricky Steamboat defeats Iron Sheik in 10.55. No, sorry, Iron Sheik defeats Ricky Steamboat in 10.55. So now we go to the semifinals, Don Morocco defeats... I don't even like that. I mean, and I appreciate the Iron Sheik, but, you know, like... Well, it'll make sense for the end. Don Morocco defeats Pedro Morales in 14.52. While the Iron Sheik defeats Jim Brunzel in 743, that brings us to the finals. Don Morocco versus the Iron Sheik. Don Morocco defeats Iron Sheik in 1255 to become the King of the Ring. Yeah, okay, very good. Again, even the lengths of these matches are better than what we got. Oh, so much better. (laughs) By by leaps and bounds. Like like I said, they should have flipped things around. Give us a wrestling classic in July. Give us this in November. On, yeah, especially on pay-per-view. So that is all we have for... um, for uh, Wrestling History 101. Ben, uh, we are done with 1985. We're going to be traveling to 1986 next week. Absolutely. And, and we will and we will have that for you on... What's, what's today? Today is... Today is uh, Tuesday, the 24th, October 24th. Next, right, week's so we'll, the, next week is Halloween. So we'll have, we'll have the next edition of... Wrestling Classic next Tuesday. Uh, okay. So for Wrestling History uh, 101, we're going to have uh, WrestleMania 2. Absolutely. That's the first event of 86. Um, and Ben? Yes. Oh, that's WrestleMania. Oh, you want to talk about experimental? This, is, this was experimental. WrestleMania 2 taking place from three different locations. 
it's so confusing. We'll get into it all next Tuesday. Yeah, right we here. and um, you know, according to um, to our uh, to our history books, um, we have gone over WrestleMania two before, but this is a different uh format because this is uh, this is completely focused on WrestleMania two. There's nothing else. Is so solely that one pay per view. Absolutely. So um, this will be a much deeper dive. Um, so you definitely want to tune in for that. All right. So, uh, and this was definitely experimental. And we'll just get into all that next Tuesday. So for Wrestling History 101, I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, say goodnight to the fans. Good night to the fans. No, I'm kidding. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, this has been a really... Uh, fun new adventure for us with Wrestling History 101. I'm really enjoying it. I hope you are too. And we'll see you right back here for episode three next Tuesday. See you Uh, next time. And I'll see you in 1986. I wasn't even born yet, man. Still. Look. (laughs) Class dismissed.